Welcome to the Ready to Thrive podcast. My name is Jacqueline, and I don't know if you've ever felt like you are just surviving your life. I know I have, and that's why I created this space. I want to help you move from surviving to thriving. My goal is to help you get unstuck and actually enjoy your life. Each week, I'll be sharing practical tips and always point you to Jesus. So what are you waiting for? Let's get ready to thrive. Hello and welcome to Ready to Thrive. I'm so excited to be virtually sitting here with my friend, Bonnie, my in real life friend. And um, today, Bonnie and I are just going to talk about what it's like to raise boys. Now, if you don't know me that well, I actually have three young girls. They're nine, six, and four. Um, I do have quite a few friends who have boys. I have a lot of nephews, um, but I don't know a ton about what it's like to actually raise boys. Bonnie, my friend on the other hand, has five boys with a sixth boy on the way. And so I just thought it'd be great to have a conversation um, about her experience in raising all these boys. And I hope that that can help you, um, the listener who maybe has boys or knows people with boys and um, just trying to figure out a little bit more about um, even God's view on boys and men. And so Bonnie, Thank you for being here. Can you tell us a little bit more about yourself? Thank you for having me, Jacqueline. It's fun to be here with you. And yes, tell you about myself. So I um, have lived here in the West Coast of BC for my whole life. And my husband and I are part of the leadership team of a local church. And um, we have a ministry as well called the Union Movement that focuses on um, bringing God's truth and and hope into the areas of sexuality and relationships and and healthy family and identity and stuff like that. Uh, but then, but truthfully, most of my time is dedicated to, like you said, my five boys. There, are, I have twins who are going to be twelve in just a little while, actually, and then I have a ten-year-old and an eight-year-old and an almost six-year-old. And then, yeah, I have another one on its way coming to us, coming at us uh, in October. So, and you also have, um, you're also a, like a full-time homeschooling mom as That's well. Right. Have yes. You, have you always homeschooled your boys? Yeah, we did right from kindergarten. And we've always said, we'll just take it a year at a time. And so far I am enjoying it enough that I, we just keep going into homeschooling. And this year, obviously uh, with everything that's going on in in the world, it's made that decision like, okay, yep, that's easier to keep going in this direction. So, well, along yeah. this COVID season, I really appreciated your voice of wisdom um, and peace and grace, even in the homeschooling situation that so many of us were landed in. And so, um, I'm hoping people will go find you um, on Instagram. And I know you've got a lot of wisdom to share there, both about raising boys and everything you do at the union and also um, just on homeschooling. But today, um, I just want to talk about all things boys. And so first off, let's just talk about um, developmentally um, boys, like what kind of makes boys a little bit different than girls? And uh, what would you kind of say to that and some of the things you've learned along the way? Yeah, well, I think that I... Um... I'll start by saying that I am a huge like 
advocate for not pushing kids into a stereotype based on their gender. Um, and yet I've also looked at some of the studies done um, by psychologists and scientists on the brain development of boys and girls. And so as much as we don't want to push people into stereotypes, we also need to recognize what the brain tells us. And so um, actually there's a book by a man named Leonard Sachs uh, called Why Gender Matters. And in it, he talks a lot about um, the differences and those differences actually start to even um, fade a little bit as you get older, closer into adulthood. But in childhood, they're more, um, they're more obvious. So differences in um, kind of what the fo boys' brains have a tendency towards action. So, and that will come out in lots of different ways, uh, even in, in the way kids, like girls or boys will express art. Girls are going to have a tendency to lean more towards like a diversity of colors in their art, whereas boys are drawing like black images of battle <laughs> or like superheroes, movement, action-based to that kind of stuff. Anyway, so that's like one example. And, uh, and just the reality that the presence and absence of testosterone really does make a difference in humans. And so uh, boys do have that, they have a, a reputation for being more active and being more aggressive and it's, it's real. So yeah. yeah um, and how point. have you, how have you managed to navigate that? Um, especially when your boys were really little um, so just what would you say to the mom who's like, Hey, my, my son is super rambunctious and how do we, he doesn't ever seem to get enough energy out. What would yes. you say to those moms? Yeah. I mean, well, I would say I totally relate in that I like with, there'd be times we'd like take our kids to the playground or take them to a park and they would run until they were sweaty. Like just, you'd think they would be exhausted and people say, like, Oh, they're going to sleep good tonight. And I'd say like, Honestly, like I can't get rid of their energy. Swimming is almost the only thing that will make them feel like I want to sit down and rest now. Wow. It's crazy. Like they're unlimited in their energy. So, so the question I think a lot of moms of boys would ask was like, is this normal? Is this normal? That's a question I've asked a lot. And so to just realize like, yeah, it's pretty normal. Like you just, yeah, <laughs> you have to kind of get used to it to yeah. an extent. But then also I'm always, um, I'm always really trying to help them understand like time and place for okay. things. So, and how do you do that? <laughs> like a thousand conversations <laughs> and a thousand. I try to, I try to be sensitive to them. Like if I, even for instance, like um, knowing that, that they're going to need to sit in like maybe a school, a school production or maybe a church service, then if I know that that's going to be like a long period of sitting still, then I try to, at the beginning, be like, I'm going to take them to the playground for 20 minutes first. And afterwards, I'm going to know that they're going to need activity again. So try to just, I'm trying to um, set them up for success so that I can still ask for stillness from them. But I haven't like cooped them up all day. Like they're just a lot like, I guess, like puppies where they do really need exercise in order to Right. have better behavior. I need to remember that too. And as moms, yeah. I think we need to. Well, that's so, that's so good. That reminds me of um, when I just had my oldest daughter, I loved going down across the border because um, we're pretty close to the border, the um, outside of Vancouver. And uh, we'd go down to Target or Trader Joe's 
And I knew with my daughter that she'd be great for the road trip if we got to the mall, there was like an indoor play place, like we would go yeah. play there for a little bit, and then we would go um, to Target and go shopping, and then we'd do something else. That, and so we kind of broke it up similarly where we, I was like, she'll be, and she was great with those shopping trips. Yeah. So we just learned to kind of ebb and flow. And so I love that that's what you've identified there as saying, hey, they're going to need this. I can ask for this, but they're also going to need that. So I really appreciate that. That's actually very respectful of them and kind of what they need. So I think that's um, obviously worked for you. Now, how I always feel like you're a very calm presence and a calm person. Um, I don't know, like I'm thinking my personality sometimes when things are super, super loud, that's really hard for me. How do you manage? Like you said something about like, you just get used to it. Like how have you managed to handle having so much rambunctiousness? Yeah. I think now I, you know, the, they're starting, their manners are starting to solidify a little bit better. So the concept, like they understand like interrupting is not a good thing, but for, but I still feel like an air traffic control person where I'm like, no, stop. Okay. You can come. Okay. Now it's not your turn. Okay. Like, and so I feel like I'm, um, I've had to learn that skill of directing them, but now at least they're starting to catch themselves. So that's good to see that there's benefit to the other side of it. The other thing is that I, um, as much as we are like a high activity home, I've also scheduled, created structures within our home, even throughout the summer here, um, where um, they know that there's going to be a quiet time every afternoon. They also, we also do um, like a, I'll do like a, a reading of a chapter book with them. And so they have the ability to sit still, but then they'll also like, maybe the little ones will play with their little Lego figurines while I'm reading or, you know, the others will maybe sketch while I'm reading. So their hands are still moving, but it's like a quieter setting where we can be together without it always just being chaotic. Like, so creating the structure, being the, still taking the lead, I guess, in the home. Yeah. And, and I just, in a way, like I don't put up with the intensity. I'll be like, nope, not in the house or not right here or not in my kitchen. You know, yeah. I still have the boundaries for them. So yeah. Okay. That's really good. I love that you have created that structure of quiet and even recognizing again, similar to what we were saying before that, um, they may need to be moving their hands, right? Like they may need to be drawing something or doing something. So I appreciate that again. It's the, like, here's the expectation you can do this. Um, so I love that, but yet also having those boundaries, I think is so key. Um, so you, and also here's just another question. How have you, um, especially for the mom who's feeling like, okay, I'm thrown into homeschooling. Mm. Um, haven't done this before. I haven't set up those structures or those boundaries for the quiet space. Right. Um, and obviously that takes time to set up. Are there any things that you have done that have been helpful in setting that up? Yeah. Um, I think the consistency makes it a lot more, a lot easier because instead of being the kids being surprised, uh, it starts to be just kind of written in. Right. Um, I know some of my kids are, uh, their personalities, they are, they thrive in those structures and predictability where, whereas if that wasn't there and just like every once in a while I was to throw it in, then they would probably, uh, they, it would throw them off. Like they'd be confused. 
Right. So I'd say consistency, but then also starting with small amounts of time with us having, I had babies close together. And so quiet times or, and even independent play times was something that I started really, really young. Even this might sound funny, but I know I've heard others do it as well is like, even as a baby, you know, your baby's only awake for a little bit of a time, but you know, setting them up with a play yard and then not being in their sight, like you're still, you can still see them, but they don't necessarily see you. So they get used to um, not being in the room with someone all the time. And so for the introverts among us, even within my family, I have my eight-year-old is, is definitely introverted. Um, that quiet time is just like an oasis for him where nobody's interrupting him and he gets to just um, like kind of use his imagination and go into create his own little world. And then he comes out so much more refreshed. But then I also think of extroverts in our family uh, because, because even though they may not have that internal drive towards being alone, I think that even, um, even Jesus gives an example of taking time to be in solitude, to connect even to the Lord, to be a little bit more self-aware, to slow things down. And so I've really, um, yeah, encourage. So starting slow, you know, so maybe you'd start with a 15 minute for the young ones, 20 minutes. We do an hour a day. Um, my youngest is an extrovert and he hates it. He'll be like, can I do, can I do my alone time with you? Like, <laughs> and I'm like, if you're quiet, you don't talk to me. I'll let you be in the same room as me. Because <laughs> he's struggled with it ever since he was like two. Like he just right. like, ah, I don't like it. Anyway, so consistent. And then also, Here's the other thing is like having something awesome at the end of it. So like a snack, like snack time comes right after. So there's a sense of like, we do this and then we get this, or then we'll go and do this thing. Or then you guys can do your screen time after or whatever. Yeah. That's helped too. I like that. That's huge. Um, now I want to talk to you about boys and emotions. Nice. How have you helped your sons navigate emotions? Good question. Um, I think something that has been revolutionary for me, I always, I suspected it being a mom of boys, but then a few years ago I did, took a course in developmental theory and it really focused in on, on emotional development. And, uh, the instructors were, instructors were saying that girls and boys are equally emotional, which really breaks down, you know, our, in our culture, there's such a statement like oh women are emotional men are just not right or not as much you know uh but the reality is that emotions are just the brain's processing of the external stimuli whereas feelings is when we can identify and maybe express those emotions so boys and girls are equally emotional it's just about how they're going to express it or how they're going to feel it mm -hmm. so i've really worked with my boys to not be ashamed of their emotions particularly I think men and women, boys and girls, feel can feel embarrassment around sadness because it's such a um, such a vulnerable emotion. Um, so in our house, we just talk about like we even will say like, "Did you get? Did you get? Like, do you have some tears stuck inside? Like, are you disappointed about something? Or what is this really about?" Especially if um, if I'm seeing them start to move in more anger and frustration normally I can tell it's an indication that they are actually feeling disappointment or sadness or hurt about something. And we need to give it some time to figure out what, what that is. So, um, 
so we we try not to you know there's a time and place for tears yeah but we try not to stuff them back yeah and so even like probably about a year ago and this was really cool for me to see one of my boys my oldest um he would have been almost 11 and we were having a large we had a larger group of people over at our house and you could tell he was just kind of getting grumpy and cranky which isn't really like him I'm like what do you buddy like pulled him aside what do you what's going on he's like I don't know I like can I just go to my room which is again not really like him yep go for it you know take a little take a little breather so then after about like 10 or 15 minutes I went up to check on him and he said it's like yeah I just had to cry a little bit I think I had some I think I had some sadness stuck inside I feel better now and I'm like oh my gosh like I'm so proud of you yeah you know because I think um maybe even like adolescent boys or teen boys can have a reputation for getting hardened mm. but I just don't that's not that's not the goal we're gonna try to keep our hearts soft through this whole next decade so so that's our goal oh, yeah so good uh, I know you have other goals or other things you're hoping to teach your boys um things like respect for girls and how they treat women how do you go about doing that so good yes um well I think one thing that we've done that's you know starting small um because they don't have any sisters I'm really grateful we have they have some female cousins in the state like close to their age and also some really great family friends uh where it's almost like another cousin or like a sister that they've played with ever since they were really young so that's really great but there's not like I'm the only female presence in the house, right? And so I've tried to, even in our homeschooling, um, like expose them to literature that includes female heroes. Um, because I just, I just want them to under, like to just be sympathetic, I guess, to the female, um, to the way we operate, to the way we interact with one another. And so I try to be really available for them and show them and kind of express what I, you know, maybe even what I've gone through when I was a kid or stuff like that. Anyway, so that's one thing, just exposure yeah. to like stories where the female is the main character. Um, but then also being really purposeful to talk to them about being protectors and that their strength is meant to, um, yeah, to not ever, to not ever, take advantage of a female when they're young, we're not using language like that, but it really is about respect and treating them like people. And, um, and I'm totally curious what, what kind of language would you use with the young boy? Like, how would you kind of explain that? Yeah. I'm trying to think of some of the, some of the conversations we've had over the years. I mean, even one thing is, um, talking about how, because women, um, you know, tend to have a slighter frame and not be as strong than throughout history, men have maybe, you know, we'd say maybe have treated them like slaves or treated them like objects and how, but God intended that a man's strength would be used to lift up the people who are weaker than them. I know that that's controversial to even say women are weaker, but I would just, I'm like, again, scientifically, it's just kind of true. You know, my husband really, he develops his muscle mass way better than I do <laughs> way faster. Right. It's, um, why men and women don't usually, uh, compete athletically against each other. Cause it wouldn't be fair. 
Yeah. Anyway, so that a man's strength is used to protect the weak, those who are weaker than him, and that they would never take advantage of that. Um, so we talk about looking at them in the eye. We talk about um, even the history of how in the past women weren't allowed to be educated. They, I, I, you know, and I just say, oh, I'd be so devastated. Imagine if mom couldn't read. You know, they wouldn't let them vote. They wouldn't let them own property. And just, so I'm, I'm not trying to create little, um, little, you know, activists, but I am really wanting them to be sympathetic to the females right. around them. So um, letting their, even letting, like I said, their cousins or the friends in their life that are girls, like go ahead of them in line. Or um, uh, even one of my sons just recently, he said, I'm really working on trying to let uh, women have a, have my chair if they need it. I was so proud of him. Like yep. that came out of his heart. Yep. So just little gestures that I think all really add up to, um, to them being respectful. <laughs> I'm sure people would be curious to know what some of the literature would be that you have loved reading to them. Mm, yeah. Um, so what books have you enjoyed? One of my favorites that we just did last year was Little Women. We actually did Little Men first, um, so by Louisa May Alcott. Little Men is hilarious and wonderful, um, and I think that I've always really liked Joe, you know, the the mom in that role because of her love for boys and respect for boys, but also the way she would try to bring culture to them mm-hmm. and like arts and like she just believed in them, but also made allowance for their boyhood. Yeah. Anyway, so Little Men, and then. And then we went and we did Little Women, which is Joe when she was younger and her sisters. Yeah. Um, we did Anna Green Gables last year. I'm trying to think of some other favorites. Um, yeah, those are the only ones that come to mind right now from this last year. But uh, the, in this coming year, then uh, we also have on the list one called Birch Bark House. We haven't done yet, but that's again a female female lead in the story. So cool. Yeah. Um, now I want to go there. I want to go there. Okay. I want to ask you, um, how do you begin to talk to your boys about pornography? And I know that's something that you um, definitely be thinking about having so many boys being totally. part of the union pod or the union movement and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you guys do? What's been your approach so far? Yeah. Um, well, here, let, I'll, I'll start with something that happened when our oldest, their twins, were probably only like four years old. Um, I still remember I was making dinner in the kitchen. They were up at the kitchen table coloring in their coloring books. And their coloring books were uh, just like Marvel superhero coloring books. Great. Awesome. They're coloring. And then at one point, I look over and my one son was on um, a picture. I believe it was a Wonder Woman. I think it was Wonder Woman, maybe Catwoman. Anyway, and he had the picture has her has her posed quite seductively, mm-hmm. and he had colored her breasts. Like he was kind of like I noticed that these were sticking out, and I colored them. Yeah. So here's like he's an innocent four year old. He's just coloring, and I I caught my attention because I thought, first of all, how sad that it's already in our children's coloring books is this objectification. Like kind of this is what a powerful woman looks like. Mm-hmm. She puts herself on display. So I sat down with them and um, the older two, and we flipped through the coloring book. And I said, 
what do you think the person who drew these pictures was wanting you to look at when they drew this? And, and they both right away knew, like they just pointed right at her breasts. They knew that's what the focus of this, these pictures were. And I said, I told them about um, how in the Bible, there were men and women who were brave and would do something called they tear if you've read the old testament you hear the phrase of tearing down high places mm-hmm. and these high places i didn't go into all this with them but for those listening these high places were places where um essentially false gods were worshiped through sexual experiences immoral sexual experiences um And so these brave men and women would tear down high places as a way of saying, let's go back to focusing on what God says we should focus on and not objectifying one another. Anyway, so I didn't go into all, so, but what I would say is, do you guys remember the story of Gideon and how he tore tore down those high places? So one of the tricks, one of the lies in culture that the enemy has is that we need to focus on what's on the outside that that's the most important part of who we are. But we need to remember that every woman, she's not just a body, but she's also a person, just like I'm a person. I'm your mom. Um, think about your cousin, you know, think about your grandma. Like they're women and they have a body, but they're also like, they have dreams and they're good at stuff and, and they're maybe have a good sense of humor or, you know, they have personality. So I said, let's, what if we be like Gideon, you know, these, these people in the Bible, and let's go through this coloring book and any picture that you think is trying to just really make you look at only the outside. Like, let's rip that page out. And, and so we went through the coloring book and there was actually only, this is hard to say, but there was only one picture of a female that it wasn't just about the way she was posed or her body. And, I didn't force the issue, but they, they could pick it out. It's little four-year-olds. They knew. And uh, that was like my first um, kind of like under, realizing like this is how I could go about doing it with them is I could get them on the, on the offensive as protectors, helping them to see women as uh, more than just a body. Yeah. And that's been really effective so far. Now they're, you know, those four-year-olds are now almost 12 and uh, I mean, they're noticing things and it's different. They have more curiosity or interest, but even when, even this summer, we, you know, we go to a beach and, and they just still, they'll like say to me, like, I'm working hard on just looking at their faces, looking them in the eye. Wow. You know? And I, yeah. So we'll just keep, we'll keep having conversations. It's not just a one-time thing, but it's ongoing. Um, Oh, one time. Can I say another story? Yeah. Keep going. Um, I was at a, a doctor's office with one of my sons. And um, I don't remember what he was getting checked for, but we're just waiting in there. He's up on the, you know, the bed with the crinkly paper. And there was a, um, this co- like, ma- you know, a magazine rack or whatever. And the one that was like right in the front was a Cosmopolitan. And I didn't say anything. I thought, Maybe he won't even notice. He's still young. He was maybe eight or something at the time. And, uh, and so I didn't say anything, didn't draw attention to it, but he saw it and he looks at me and he just goes, oh no. I'm like, what, bud? She was tricked. 
And I mean, truthfully, the picture wasn't even that bad, but like, you know, he could see the same, it's like the posture and the seductive, like, this is what I'm trying to use to get attention, you know, is that my outside is what's going to get me my affirmation. So he just says, oh no, she was tricked. And I loved that he, because I think sometimes when we try to resist pornography, when men try to resist pornography, it almost keeps women objectified and they just become the enemy. Like, oh, I can't look at that bad woman. Instead of saying, oh, she was some, she's somebody's sister. She's some, like, she's a real person. Compassion for her. Yeah, totally. Anyway, so um, that's just kind of the mode we're trying to go. Compassionate. Well, I love that in, um, I mean, your coloring story is pretty incredible incredible to me in that in that moment you were able to um really explain it to them in a way that was right at their level but also um not just educate to say like this is right this is wrong but really give them that level of like deeper understanding and I think that's why um he could your son could have that response too of like she's been tricked right like it is that compassionate response because you're it's that kind of everyday little teaching and that's one thing i found in um parenting is that these these big subjects come up while you're on the go right you're just living life and it's like oh this is the moment we're going to talk about this thing and you realize it's actually all of those little conversations along the way that are helping um, shape them Totally. And preparing them for those moments where they are going to be faced with things on their own and um, really having that deeper understanding of the why behind things yeah, is yeah. so much more effective than the um, black and white, here's what you need to do, um, because that doesn't really stand up when, um, when we're living in this insane culture um, mm-hmm. that's throwing things at us all the time. And so really being able to, um, I think, build our kids up from the inside out, having those firm foundations and having them even be able to process and wrestle things on their own um, really does kind of help them, you know, build some of those, um, the resilience themselves and the understanding and even um, compassion, which I think is huge. Yeah, absolutely. That's so good. What would you... um, is there anything else you would just share with um, with a mom who has a, a boy, many boys uh, at any age? Any kind of advice or, um, yeah, what would you want to sh- share with some women? Hmm. I think that, um, well, maybe one thing is just that your role as a mother is so crucial. Mm-hmm. And um, whether you're able to be with them full time or not, you know, that's... Um, everyone's situation is so different, but that your role and your engagement as, um, as a nurturing woman in their life, it really stabilizes them. Mm. So in the same, even as I mentioned, you know, little, little men, and there's this woman, Joe, right? Like she allows for their masculinity, but also doesn't apologize for her femininity mm. and kind of gives them exposure to this multidimensional female multidimensional person. And I think that too many boys, I mean, this is linked to 
uh, the conversation around pornography and things, but too many boys um, don't have a connection with healthy women. And so then I've heard from numerous ones that they're actually the, the trap of pornography or of um, like a sexual addiction was all the greater, was all the more difficult for them because they longed for nurturing. And so it, it's almost like it opened up earlier than it needed to. Because our kids, for, like our boys are for sure going to, hormones are going to play a role, like sexual desires there. And we can't despise male sexuality. God doesn't despise male sexuality. Um, but we want to set them up for success where they're like, their soul is filled. And I believe that that role as a mom, like it's, um, it's God given. And so don't, um, don't forget that you actually really make a, you know, for the moms listening, like you really make a big difference in your son's life. And um, yeah, the connection that they have with you is, is so valuable. Yeah. So good. Um, what else would you say to the weary mom who is feeling like, hey, this has been six months that have been really challenging? Uh, yeah. How do you how do you fill yourself up? How do you stay sane as a mom? Because you're also you're a mom of five kids. They're five yeah. boys, five kids. Now, the way, how are you actually managing to fill yourself up in this season? Yeah. Um, I think that like a, a practical analogy that I've had in my head that's helped me is that same as when we had newborns, um, you know, for us, we, I, or for me, I was able to uh, breastfeed them all and I had to stay hydrated. I had to stay fed in order to give them anything. And so sometimes as moms, we could feel guilty for taking care of ourselves. <laughs> For nurturing ourselves or for making sure our souls are filled up but as a mom I am I can give far more when I have filled myself up. and so I think that 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 it's all I think it was like it's a little analogy that can follow us through of like what a nursing mom does you keep doing that at in like a psychological level or like an intellectual or emotional level so so I do make it a priority to, um, to go out for walks. That's something that really helps me. I was saying to Jacqueline, even before we were saying to you before we started recording, I think I'm going to do a walk tonight. Like I'm feeling, I have some need. I need to go be by myself and um, process some thoughts and emotions. So that and journaling are really important to me. Um, I'm also, I truthfully have learned how to uh, take better care of myself nutritionally. And so not being so dependent on sugars, I did that for way too long and crash and, you know, peaks and peaks and valleys that were um, hard to sustain. So those things, and then also recognizing my weaknesses. And so being able to like plan ahead because I know I'm weak in some things. So I, um, even right now, the final weeks of summer, I'm always trying to be administrative and set myself up for success for the coming months of where I know I'm going to have to go into more structure. Right. Anyway, so those type of things I think can make a difference, but everyone is different. And you know, one of my friends, she's like pedicures every once in a while, just really do it for me. And I'm like, wow, like a hike is more my style, but 
but like all the power to you, you know, like you figured out your thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. So finding out, you know, whether it's art or music or, you, you know, you fill yourself up so you have something to offer. Reading books, right? Keep having a, a window into, um, into a different world, either fiction or nonfiction. That's also helpful. So good. I, I really appreciate that because I, um, I think that's still something a lot of women struggle with is just how, even knowing how do I fill myself up? Like, I don't, I don't, I haven't done anything for myself in so long. I don't know what that is. And so even saying like the hike does it for you, the pedicure does it for somebody else, but either way we all need to actually value um, our family and ourselves enough to be able to do some of those things because that's part of the keeping ourselves hydrated. And ultimately, of course, you know, spending time with God, being in the word, like that's ultimately this thing that's going to satisfy us and allow us to be able to pour out. Um, The very last question I have for you is what kind of resources or books or things would you recommend for people, especially whether it's on raising kids in general, homeschooling, raising boys, what has helped you? Yeah. Um, So in the area of homeschooling, I'll say one of my favorites is called For the Children's Sake. Uh, and I even truthfully, even like read portions of it every summer before I start the new homeschooling year. So I would recommend that for the children's sake. I think the author is Susan Schaefer, if I'm correct. Um, when it comes to boy, like raising boys, uh, one book that I read, I've read very like numerous times over the years is wild at heart by John Eldridge. I feel like it's a classic. So many people maybe have already read it, but if you haven't, Um, it just gives me, it gave me such a new perspective. It actually brought me to like, as a young woman, before I had children or was married, it brought me to repentance for how I had disrespected men in my life or belittled them. Um, when I found out just like God's design for them and how they are so, um, really are an incredible reflection of the image of God. So Wild at Heart by John Eldridge. Um, and then a couple that are more about, um, um, like younger boys, wild things. I don't know if you've heard of that one, but it's by Stephen James. And he has a reference, a section in the back where he references the different stages of boyhood. So like, you know, zero to two, three to six, six to nine, that kind of thing and onward. Mm-hmm. And just, um, yeah, it talks about a little bit what to expect developmentally and kind of that, again, to answer that question, is this normal? <laughs> yes, most likely it is. Yeah. Um, and and then another one that I just read this year um, by Dave Willis is called Raising Boys That Respect Girls. And that one was really great. I really loved that he, again, spoke to the, had the language of um, teaching boys to be defenders and protectors and so that they use their strength for good and not just restrain it. Like, don't do bad things, but rather like you can make a difference. You can be a protector. I really like that perspective. So yeah, those are some of my favorites. Awesome. I love it. Well, Bonnie, I think you have so much wisdom in so many areas. Thank you for sharing some um, with us just about raising boys. Uh, But there's lots of other things you love to talk about. And so where could people find you and um, where can people find you? Absolutely. Um, So uh, you can either find me on my personal Instagram is just at Bonnie Pugh. Last name is spelled P-U-E. Uh, or you can find my husband and I, the ministry we lead 
is the union movement. So just at the union movement and our website of the same name. And we also have a podcast that we put out monthly with lots of different, uh, lots of different topics all around sexuality, family, relationships, even personal healing, coming to a place of being free from shame, all that kind of stuff. So yeah, those are all the places. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for being on. And it's so nice to meet with you this way. And I'm really excited uh, for you for boy number six. And I'm just getting to walk with you along this journey has been awesome. So thank you for meeting me today. It was a pleasure. Thanks for having me, Jacqueline. Thanks so much for listening today. I really am so encouraged knowing how many of you are being encouraged by this message. And if you have found it helpful, would you mind just sharing it with a friend, leaving five stars or even a review wherever you listen to podcasts, podcasts, keeping it super professional. Um, If you want to connect more with me, head over to Instagram where I'm at Jacqueline.Widener. Or if you want some free resources, head over to my website at JacquelineWidener.com.